0: That gliding baseball rag See the pitcher throw and strike him out You got him going, uh-oh That gliding baseball drag. Don't you be a quitter, show him you're a heavy hitter Some classy curve, the pitcher twirling. Go on, kids spin without a whirling Hey, soak it out, soak it out Make a home run, ball, strike Stay hit. First base make second, you're a bird. keep it going, sonny, make me win a lot of money. Don't stop until you're trusting third, you're a holy terror center field of made an error. Slide, slide, you made a good beginning, for you know that your team always makes a winning when you play ball and sing that baseball rags. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the Friday, June 23rd edition of Free Baseball the podcast that goes into extra innings to bring you the best in observation, insight, and analysis of our national pastime. I'm your host, Robert Cadera. On this week's show, we'll hit the halfway mark in games played for the 2023 season in the upcoming week, so it's time to take a look at the two most surprising stories of the season so far. And as you'll see, they may very well be related. In our Unsung Heroes this week, we'll take a look back to the 19th and early 20th century as we focus on Bad Bill Dalen, the player with the most wins against replacement of anyone not elected to the Hall of Fame. And after that, we'll have the answer to last week's trivia question, And a new question for next week's show. Okay, Jane, take it away. It's a time-worn adage in baseball that every season is different, and I guess you could say that, of course, about 2023. But one thing stands out that uh, it's not that it hasn't happened before, but it's never happened quite to this extent. And that is the first surprising story of 2023 that I have for you today and that is the underperformance of the highest paid off-season free agent signings. Let's take a look at the numbers. Of course, the biggest contract in the off-season last year was handed out by the New York Yankees to retain Aaron Judge. He was given $360 million. Now, I don't think anybody expected him to hit 62 home runs again this year or maybe ever again in his career, but I'm sure the Yankees are somewhat disappointed in the 19 home runs that he has so far. And as we speak right now, he is on the injured list and probably will be for another week or so. The number two biggest free agent contract went to Manny Machado by the San Diego Padres again to retain his services for that 350 million dollars so far Manny is hitting 247 he's got an on-base percentage of 287 and he's driven in 29 runs and as i said we're approaching the halfway point in the season the third largest contract was given out by the Boston Red Sox to Raphael Devers again to retain his services. Devers is now hitting two hundred thirty eight and his on base percentage is three hundred four. Now he has uh, delivered on the power. He's got 17 homers and 57 RBIs, so we'll give him credit for that. That's half a half a thumbs up. After Devers we go down to Trey Turner, the shortstop who was given $300 million as a free agent by the Philadelphia Phillies. Trey is hitting 244. He has a .293 on base. He's got a .380 slugging average, and he's on a pace for 150 strikeouts this year. That's not what the Phillies expected. The fourth, fifth largest contract, excuse me, went to Xander Bogarts, $280 million again by the San Diego Padres. Bogarts is hitting 260, and he has a 390 slugging percentage. Not bad, but not what they're paying him for. After Bogarts, we'll take a look at Carlos Correa. After bouncing around between the San Diego San Francisco Giants, excuse me, and the New York Mets, Correa ended up going back to his previous team in Minnesota. Carlos, congratulations. You're hitting 219 so far. 301 on base, 409 slugging. Frankly, those guys have all been subpar with perhaps the exception of Devers' power production. Let's look at the pitching now. The biggest off-season pitching contract was given out by the Texas Rangers, $185 million to Jacob deGrom. Well, they're going to have to wait a little while, because after starting nine games for them, Jacob deGrom went on the injured list. He has now had Tommy John surgery, and he will probably be out until the end of next year. He may not pitch again until 2025. Money down the drain. At least Texas got a few games out of deGrom, which is more than the Yankees have gotten, out of Carlos Rodon, who was given the second-largest pitching contract. The Yankees are paying Rodon $162 million. So far, Carlos has delivered zero innings pitched. I said zero innings pitched. At this rate, (laughs) as a Mets fan, I have to chuckle at these last two, all right? Jacob DeGrom and Carlos Rodon. But I do feel sorry for the players in this regard. They're professionals. If you saw the tears in DeGrom's eyes when he found out he needed Tommy John surgery, you understand these guys are competitors. They're not happy not to be producing for those large bucks. That's the first story. Now, there have been many instances of free agents who haven't lived up to their contracts. But I don't know that there's ever been a year where the top eight salaried free agent players have failed so abysmally in the first half season of their time with their new teams or under their new contracts. Not surprisingly, because the underperformance of the highest paid free agents is one surprise of the year, the most surprising story of the year so far is the underperformance of the highest paying teams. These numbers are startling. As of today, the New York Mets who have the highest payroll in baseball have a record of 34 and 46 games under 500. This is a team that won 101 games last year, I will remind you. Did anybody expect the St. Louis Cardinals to be 13 games under 500 and in last place in the National League Central? They have the highest payroll in the division, and they're in fifth place. The New York Yankees are the third highest paying team in baseball. They're 40 and 33 right now, and uh, that's decent, but the fans are already stringing up the owner to hang him in effigy at uh, in Central Park somewhere. How about the San Diego Padres? 35 and 38 after dishing out 280 million to Bogarts after dishing out 350 million to Machado, and after eviscerating their farm system late last year, trading most of their top prospects away. To get Juan Soto, who's also having a miserable year. I wonder if uh, if Preller's job is secure. We have uh, the Philadelphia Phillies with the fifth highest payroll in baseball. They are 38 and 36 right now, and of course the Dodgers are at 40 and 33, the uh, same record as the Yankees. Only they're in third place. When was the last time the Dodgers? ended up in third place in their division. The Toronto Blue Jays are a top seven team in terms of salary, and they're fourth in the American League East. The Boston Red Sox, who are in the top half of salaried teams, are in last place. Well, it's not all bad news if you happen to be a fan of the Tampa Bay Rays or the Baltimore Orioles. The Rays and Orioles are the two teams with the lowest payroll in baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays have 52 wins, 25 losses, the best record in the American League and the National League put together. Right behind them, the Baltimore Orioles, who have the overall lowest payroll in baseball, have a 45-28 and 28 record and they're in second place looking very good for the postseason. In the National League Central where the top-paying Cardinals are in 5th place, the Cincinnati Reds with the third lowest payroll in baseball are now in 1st place. In the National League West, the Arizona Diamondbacks who have a payroll of 116 million compared to the Mets 353 million, the low-paying Arizona Diamondbacks are in first place. And they have the second best record in the entire National League. Even the Miami Marlins, with a payroll of 91 million, are 42 and 33. A better record than the Dodgers, a better record than the Yankees. They are ahead of the Mets. They are ahead of the Phillies in second place in the National League East. It's a topsy-turvy world. What uh, what can we glean from all of this? Well, first of all, it's only the first half of the season, and I would remind you where the Phillies were last year and they went to the World Series. They were at this time uh, just a 500 team. They had a worse record than they do this, this current season. But, you got to look at these teams and wonder. It's not all injuries. The Tampa Bay Rays starting rotation has been devastated by injuries to its best starters. Rasmussen may be out for the year. So, don't tell me that, oh, but the Mets have had pitching injuries and, uh, oh, the Dodgers have lost some of their starters. All teams get injuries. Good teams have ways of coping with those injuries. So, right now, we've got a situation where the bottom third of the teams in all of baseball have an identical record with the top third in payroll. And the disparities between these payrolls is shocking. Four teams with payrolls below a hundred million dollars a year are in first or second place. The New York Mets who are paying almost a hundred million dollars, if you include the penalty, to two pitchers. Scherzer and Verlander, they have a record of 34 and 40. They're in fourth place and going nowhere. So let's tip our hats at least, rather than just wag the finger of shame at overpaying teams. Let's instead be positive here and tip our hats to two organizations that have figured it out. The Tampa Bay Rays, who have for the last decade been among the most successful franchises in baseball, and the Baltimore More Orioles who have the best young talent across the board of any team in baseball and a lot more on the way. Perhaps it's not how much money you spend, but how wisely you spend it. I think the saying that comes to mind here is my favorite baseball saying of all time from Joaquin Andujar, a right-handed pitcher back in the day for the Houston Astros. Joaquin was asked to explain the game of baseball. He laughed and said, I can explain baseball in one word. You never know. And now it's time for this week's Unsung Hero. mention the name Bill Dalen to the average baseball fan on the street, you're probably going to get a blank stare. But Bad Bill Dalen, as he was called, was probably the best baseball player that most people don't know about. William Frederick Dalen, and they called him Bad Bill for his ferocious temperament, was a shortstop and manager in Major League Baseball who played for four National League teams between 1891 and 1911, 21-year career. After twice batting over 350 for the Chicago Colts, he starred on championship teams with the Brooklyn Superbas and the New York Giants. At the end of his career, when he retired in 1911, Bad Bill Dalen held the Major League record for career games played. He ranked second in career walks. He was fifth in at-bats and was among the top ten in runs batted in, doubles, extra base hits. And he was also in the National League top seven players in hits. And some resources list his total hits up to 2,471. He was among the top seven players in the National League when he retired in career runs, triples, and total bases. After leading the league in assists four times and double plays three times, he set major league records for career games played, putouts, assists, and total chances and double plays as a shortstop. To this day, he holds the baseball record for the most total chances, and he's second in putouts and fourth in assists. He was the finest shortstop of the late 19th and early 20th century with a glove on his hand. His 42 game hitting streak in 1894 remains the fourth longest in history and the longest by any right-handed National League hitter to this day. In defensive wins above replacement, War, his 28.5 is 11th best of all time, and he finished in the top five in the category in 10 different seasons. In fact, Bad Bill Dalen has the most total wins against replacement of any retired player not in the Hall of Fame. Why was he called bad Bill? Well, I'll give you one example. Bill Dalen was ejected 65 times during his four years as the Brooklyn manager. That's 16 and a quarter times per year, 11% of his games. That might give us some clue as to why Bill Dalen was basically ignored when it came to Hall of Fame voting. When the National Baseball Hall of Fame was started and the first votes taken, he received one vote from the Veterans Committee. When the Baseball Writers Association of America took over in 1938, he received one vote. He was not considered again by the Veterans Committee for several decades But in part due to the introduction of advanced statistical metrics, Dalen's candidacy received renewed interest in recent years, but still not enough to get him in. Most recently on the 2022 ballot with the early baseball era committee gave him three out of their 16 votes, not enough for induction. The Society for American Baseball Research named Bill Dalen as the number one overlooked 19th century baseball legend. He was a 19th century star is what he was, and yet he's not even close to making the Hall of Fame. After he retired from playing and managing, Bill Dalen worked a number of jobs, including serving as an attendant at Yankee Stadium and working as a night clerk in a Brooklyn post office. Dalen died in Brooklyn after a long illness at age 80 in 1950, and he was buried in the Cemetery of the Evergreens in Brooklyn. To this day, his grave is unmarked, kind of like the memory of Bill Dalen as a baseball player, sad to say. Well, we're doing our part here to make sure that most people know of and respect this great star of the 19th century and early 20th century. Hats off to Bad Bill Dalen. Okay, it's trivia time now at Free Baseball, and last week we gave you a stumper, I think. It's about brothers again, and it was about the two baseball brothers who had the biggest age difference. How about this pair of right-handed pitchers who celebrated their big league debut 30 years apart? The older brother was named Jesse, and he was 1-1 in 13 games for the 1924 Cardinals and he was soon forgotten, but his kid brother had a 12-10 and 10 freshman season for another National League club in 1954. He was an effective Angels reliever well into the 1960s, and he also pitched for the 1959 National League champions. Oh, and he was one of the best-known pitching coaches in baseball in the 1970s and 80s can you name this younger sibling the brother of Jesse who had the greatest difference between their years as active performers? That was last week's question. Well, the answer, and I think some of you uh, Yankee fans might have gotten it, the answer was Art Fowler. His older brother, Jesse Fowler, played for the Cards. You might recall Art Fowler as a starter in the National League. I saw him pitch for the Cincinnati Reds and the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers in 1959, and he later became a fairly successful relief pitcher for the Angels. But I remember him best as the Yankees' pitching coach. Well, it's on and off pitching coach, let's say. He was George Steinbrenner's sixth hired pitching coach, He was also the ninth pitching coach hired by Steinbrenner, the 17th, and the 26th pitching coach hired by the boss. Well, if you wonder about that, you'll come to the conclusion pretty quickly that Art Fowler was Billy Martin's drinking buddy. And in the late 1970s and in 1983 and 1988, during Billy Martin's on-again, off-again tenure as Yankees manager, he always brought his buddy Art Fowler along to be his pitching coach. Fowler was also his coach, I believe, in Minnesota and Texas before Billy became the Yankee manager. In fact, Art Fowler was responsible for one of Billy Martin's firings. In 1983, George Steinbrenner and one of his off-the-handle rages at a blown save, fired Art Howler one night, and in anger, Billy Martin got into a big fight with Steinbrenner, and George fired Billy Martin, too. But a few years later, in 1988, they were both back at their old jobs. So, Art Fowler, the answer to this week's trivia question. Okay, for next week... We haven't had a Brooklyn Dodger trivia question in some time, so try this one on for size. This boy was 16 and playing shortstop for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1944, but he was all through, washed up at 25 after a brief trial with the Chicago Cubs in 1953 that made Chicago Cub fans yearn for Roy Smalley's arm which could be counted on to find Fondy's glove at least occasionally. That's D. Fondy at first base. Our trivia stumper's nickname was Buckshot, and it wasn't an idle nickname, let me tell you. This kid could have been a tough hitter if he hadn't had to worry all the time whether his next throw was going to decapitate somebody in about 10 rows back of first base. All right, so that's the guy we want you to name came up with the Dodgers, played shortstop at 16 in 1944, moved to third base, hit pretty well for a kid, but he couldn't throw the ball across the diamond. We'll let you know next week. Thanks for stopping by. Free Baseball. I hope to see you again next time around the bases. That'll be next Friday. Uh, I'm your host, Robert Cadera, always glad to have you. Come along and share a little bit of baseball's history and its current problems and joys. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. The Free Baseball Podcast is brought to you by Black Range Publishing, producers of the Gabe McKenna Mystery Series and the Black Range Pub Podcast. You can find us at www.blackrangepublishing.com. Free baseball can also be found at the following podcast platforms, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Audible. Come back and enjoy free baseball every Friday. I'm your host, Robert Cadera. Thanks for stopping by. See you next week. (laughs)